Hi, everybody. Welcome to Freshwater Perspectives. Today, we'll be talking about winter kill, why it happened, and what we can do to prevent it. Thanks for listening. another week another week how you doing doing good rachel and i got our little cake testers for our wedding cake so we know we know what our wedding cake flavor is going to be cake testers yeah did when you got your baker did you not test like the cake you were gonna have for your wedding we went to uh (laughs) we we just went like there was um it's called a co-op Mm-hmm. up here so it's like a like a earthy place and they just have like carrot cake and we're like that one mm-hmm. and then um <laughs> so we never had a cake testing uh we gotcha. did testing for our other food which turned out like the food that we tested was awful oh. and then the day of we were tremendously surprised yeah food um, was good at, at your wedding so <laughs> yeah, i know it was fine i think they must have just reheated it when we tested yeah, like this is the maybe. best of the, all the worst garbage food you gave us so <laughs> That's and it was like the only like gig in town, kind of. Um, hmm. Hey, but here's here's um, it's one thing when you're a cake though that we didn't think about. It's so dumb. Don't get cream cheese frosting. I remember this debacle. I remember because I I met I was meeting up with you and Sam the next morning, mm-hmm. and you were trying to eat as much of that cake as you could. <laughs> yeah, you didn't want it to spoil. I had like mounds of cake. I was like, oh. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah, but no, we we're not doing cream cheese icing. That's that's all that's all I'm gonna say. It's gotta be it's gonna be a surprise. And we did do I guess we did try the we had bars. It's a Minnesota thing, maybe if people don't know. It's it's like um cookies, but like oh. bar shaped, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like um and uh we, we tried a variety of different those flavors. So okay. um I guess we did do a yep yeah dessert tasting, but that's fun. Okay. What are you gonna yeah, do? Yeah. Well, don't tell me because I wanna know. Yeah, well, like I want to know day of. I'll give you the four choices that that we kind of ah, narrowed it yes. down to. How about that? Mm-hmm. So there's just classic, classic vanilla with like a buttercream icing. Mm-hmm. There was mm-hmm. chocolate chip, like in the in the cake with chocolate chip icing and kind yes. of buttercream. <laughs> there was that sounds a, good. <laughs> a honey butter vanilla, which was decadent. I mean, they were all they were all really good. Mm-hmm. And then the last one. We couldn't, it was kind of between the first three, honestly, but the fourth one, we were just like, let's just try it. Like, bis- you ever have the Biscoff little biscuits, little coffee biscuits? Mm-hmm. Our our baker put that into a cake. And that was, that was actually really good. Huh, so, like almost like tiramisu? Uh, no, so it was no. more like crumbled up. Oh, okay. Yeah, she, did, she didn't kind of keep the cookies whole. She just kind of crumbled it up and kind of spread it out. It was actually pretty good. The chocolate chip one piques my interest for sure. Yeah, we were, we're definitely... We kind of had our top three, and we just kind of put the fourth flavor in because we had to pick one. And then once we tested it, we were between two, and then we we kind of worked it back and forth. But we think it's, we think it's going to be a crowd pleaser, whatever we pick. So yeah, that was the nice. big thing is we were going back and forth because we were talking about like fillings and stuff, and we're like, I don't know, let's just keep it simple. I don't want people mm-hmm. to I want people to actually eat it. So yeah, oh, very nice, mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll then get here before you know it. Yeah. Oh. Other huge news is Rachel finished her externship for vet school. I think I mentioned, if I didn't mention on the last podcast, she passed her boards. Dunzo. Yep. So she passed her boards. So she's pretty much just got to graduate now. And she got her first offer for a job. What? Yeah, she, got her, she got her first offer on the table already. <sighs> mm-hmm. You have to tell me off air where she... Yeah, where it is? Is I'll it t- somewhere that you, you want to be? Is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. It's it's a place that's not terribly far. It's a place I can see myself. Like the yeah, like I'm not worried about the commute or anything. All right, no, uh, that's... but yeah, I think that's everything going on here. I don't think there's. I'm I'm gonna start. And, you know, weather starting to warm up a little bit here, so I can start getting out into the field. So I got to get the boat for the the lab boat all suited up again and kind of warmed up and get it dewinterized, I guess, and get ready to put it out back on the water. Starting to warm up. That is crazy, dude. I'm starting. It's still in the low the low forties right now, but in the 
day, it's kind of hitting the high 60s. You're getting like the highs, highs, and lows, lows right now. So it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Life in Alabama, here. man. Oh, we have one of the. I haven't. Couple things. I haven't heard of or been a part of a winter like this for a very long time. Like it's, it's pretty harsh out, man. Like it's Sam. Wow. This is like Sam's real winter. Like, um, <laughs> multiple like multi foot snow events. Wow. No, not multi foot. Excuse me. I take that back. Multiple like six plus inches snow event. Mm. But yeah, I mean like multiple feet on the ground. And then um, yeah, we went ice fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, before I go on, are you done with your uh? um updates oh yeah i'm all done okay 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 because mine's all about ice fishing so if i'm going to start about talking about ice fishing we might as well skip <laughs> yeah. right into it yeah good um time. yeah like a lot of a lot of ice like we i haven't seen this since i was very young but like we went fishing with i went home to my um parents last week mm-hmm. um i didn't mention that in our podcast but like um we went out and um so back in the day, there used to be like like legit cities on ice. Hmm. Like I don't know if you ever seen Grumpy Old Men, like this no, weird kooky movie. But like I've it's heard it's a, a good movie though. Um, <laughs> they just have like like a city on ice. There's all these ice houses, and like we went to this one lake, pretty popular lake, but I've I've never seen it like it for so long. And it's just as far as the eye could see, houses. Because I was like, what structure are you falling on the ground? Like there's like where's the sweet spot? Everywhere, guys. Like, but it was just everywhere and like um i was like i want to start like a little side business where almost like <laughs> like like people at golf courses will go out and the the, the drink drink person like oh, i want to yeah. do that for the the ice houses <laughs> you can like be a, a mobile girl. like a mobile um beer unit or something mm-hmm. i think you can make so much money um oh absolutely but so that was my one update the second update is i have not since i've been here so it is a a more severe quote-unquote winter but like i have i just don't remember minnesotans people in the midwest but i'm in minnesota right now freaking out about the weather as they have i would love Hmm. if someone commented on it but like it's like people are just like it's it's gonna it's gonna snow it's gonna be the big one it's like yeah yeah it's the winter like yeah it's gonna snow but like people really getting like almost in a fever pitch like mentality up here Hmm. about about the, the the weather and it's and i think it, it's it's like hurricanes down south right but these happen every week every couple of weeks and so it's yeah. just exhausting <laughs> yeah it's i like, guess hur- hurricanes will be a good one because for some reason whenever it you get a lot of rain down here everyone freaks out like yeah. people don't people don't know how to drive in the rain down here they get their flashers on they're going 30 yeah. miles below the speed limit it's ridiculous and let me but. preface before we get a angry writer i'm not saying a snowstorm is as bad as a hurricane i'm talking about the <laughs> anticipation before the event and people are trying to figure out like oh well above this highway it's gonna you know we're gonna get a foot plus and yeah it's like guys yeah, like has your house been swept away by a snowstorm i know right i mean no, i'm kidding um <laughs> so uh and yeah so i'm gonna get started on my stuff but i'm gonna be talking about ice and ice fishing so what better way to start this podcast than with some ice fishing facts about the upper midwest okay so this um again <laughs> this is from patch.com it's just called patch okay. okay and this person um chad he wrote this fun little post and the world's largest ice fishing contest it occurs in minnesota in a town called brainerd on Gull Lake, people in Minnesota will know this one. But how many how many anglers and um, event? How many anglers go into the event? Do you think uh, this this largest world's largest ice fishing event holds? Largest. This is yearly. I'm, I'm sure I'm gonna way undershoot it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say ten thousand, fifteen thousand. So you're close. Ooh, okay, all right. Okay. They drill over twenty thousand holes for the event. Pretty crazy. Yeah, that's insane. I went ice fishing yesterday and um, it was on a quote unquote, it, it, no, it is an actual pond. Okay. And they're, they're going to have an ice fishing event, but there's trout in this lake pond and um, it's catch and release season. So okay. I'm like, what are we doing guys? I got this, tr- like this fishing contest, I guess maybe hmm. the biggest one and then you got to return it back. But like, 
Because I was so like, is it is it only trout? There's no walleye or anything in that lake. In this one, we fished on it twice, and there's only there's there's just trout. Yeah, hmm. it's a stocked little pond. It's like a touristy town, huh. but um, yeah. So um, the state of Wisconsin has 1.4 million licensed anglers. Okay, and a third of them reported that they ice fish, which wow. is not the best little fun fact, but it makes. Yeah, that seems spot that's, on, right? Yeah, a third of them is going to... That's good numbers. It's good participation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ice fishing is the fourth ranked hobby, winter hobby, behind sledding slash snowmobiling. Um, the number one winter hobby in the upper Midwest. What do you think? Is it just skiing or snowboarding? Like cross-country ice skiing? Ice skating. Oh, ice skating. No, skiing and snowboarding, that's for the rich people, Matt. Come on now. <laughs> okay. Us peasants. Yeah. I would say walking, <laughs> walking, snow walking, you know, like, ooh, <laughs> and then ice skating. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I did uh, not okay. grow up in the Midwest. I apologize. I know. I know. So, number four, the species of fish that's caught the most in the ice in the upper Midwest that's called panfish. That's where you get your bluegill, your bream. Oh. Yeah, they just lump them all into oh. to panfish. Yeah, I don't think um, of those as pan. Or I guess I don't think of those as ice fishing fish, but I guess any fish can be an ice. Oh, they love fish. it. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um. So, in the upper Midwest, so this is the state of Wisconsin again. Um. So fish caught and taken out of the state, eleven point seven million panfish. Okay. The, again, sorry, bluegills, crappies, perch, and pumpkin seed. These are wow. all panfish, quote unquote. Um, second most taken out fish, northern pike, eight hundred and sixty-six thousand every year. So that's just ice fishing. This is just ice fishing. So that and that was in Wisconsin. Just Wisconsin alone. So Wisconsin, Eleven you said million. There was, let's say, about four hundred thousand anglers. That's mm-hmm. a lot of panfish per person. <laughs> Yes. Good. Look at you. Yeah. Okay. And then walleye, 750,000 walleye taken out every year. And this is interesting that you brought that up because, um, so in open water fishing, okay. So when it's like the summer, Mm -hmm. uh, when people go fishing, they take about a third of their fish back home that they're finding. But for some reason, ice fishing, half of the fish Mm. are kept. Huh? So this could be interesting why that there's so i mean a third of the population's ice fishing but that percentage from well that's that's almost 20 percent more fish kept yeah so that huh. those numbers yeah so people when they go out there they're like i'm i'm catching fish and i can attest to it too like hmm. dude when it comes to ice fishing yeah it's like you catch i'm keeping that like geez do you think so, i mean is it just like all the effort you're putting forth like i'm doing all this work i'm keeping some of these fish is that i think is so that what it yeah is? okay like jesus it's cold out here <laughs> uh anyways so that is um the again the the six little ice fishing fun facts about the midwest and this brings into my topic today and this is what's a process or a phenomenon known as winter kill matt do you know about winter kill i do know about winter kill but i'm gonna let you explain it <laughs> yes so yes, what is winter kill? And this is an umbrella term used to describe fish die-offs that occur during the winter months in lakes and ponds. Uh, typically, die-offs occur. When we talk about winter kill, it's usually attributed to low to no dissolved oxygen. So fish need oxygen to survive, and this can be a limiting resource when you're trapped under the ice. Um, so in this article, we're going to describe the science of winter kill and the, you don't really think about this, but the long lasting effects that they can have on lakes, um, as well as some tips to prevent it from occurring if you are, say, a landowner, pond owner, maybe I should say. Um, so let's get into it. What causes winter kill? This can happen for a variety of different reasons, but there are four main causes. Number one, the big one, we'll talk about this more, no exchange of oxygen between air and water because of this ice layer, low sunlight penetration through the ice that promotes photosynthesis, uh, that can, we'll talk about this later too, Uh, decomposition of vegetation um, in which bacteria 
use oxygen. And number four, lake morphology. So of course, there could be other reasons why winter kill happens, but let's expand on these four main cases. So number one, no exchange of oxygen between air and water. For those of you who don't know, um, one way oxygen, so oxygen dissolves in water, okay? So if you think of like a lake, it's not just H2O. There's other things within the, the water, other molecules. Uh, you can have nitrogen, you can have gas, you can have um, nitrogen gas, for example. You can also have nitrogen in other forms, so that's an aside. Uh, you can have, so I'm really focusing on, car, uh, on <laughs> I'm really focusing on uh, gas and how it gets mm -hmm. into water. So mm -hmm. maybe I should phrase that. You can have carbon dioxide, for example, and then you also can have O2 molecules. So one way, and arguably the main way that, that oxygen makes its way into lakes is through wind and wave action at the surface. So there's a diffusion of oxygen coming from the air, which would be in most situations, more oxygen in the air. Um, it's going from a more concentrated space to a least concentrated space and will diffuse through that water layer into the water. Uh, fish are happy when this happens because this is what they, they, they breathe. So yay. Um, so this is the process again, I think I called, said it, it's called diffusion. And wave action, for example, wind, this can help circulate oxygen, you know, really to get it like mixed up into the water surface. But wind action, too, can help circulate this oxygen, depending on how deep your water is and layering, um, to, to deeper parts of a lake, okay? And you can usually have enough oxygen to maintain um, animal life, like fish, for example, bugs. Plants produce it themselves, but sometimes require oxygen in certain um, situations we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. And so you, you really need oxygen even at deeper portions of lakes as well. And this may not be the case, and we'll talk about that too. But as ice forms on the surface, so not looking just at the surface, uh, during the winter, you know, there's this unbreakable layer that oxygen can't penetrate through. So that's like the big reason why we winter kill happens. There's this layer for many months, three months, for example. Mm -hmm. And this can cause issues so just right away you know ice formation that reduces that mixing and mixing too can have that lower layers of your lake to have you know no oxygen within it and it can call be known as an anoxic zone uh, winter kill can well so you can have some lakes that go completely devoid of oxygen and that can cause winter kill and this kills organisms over time, even low oxygen amounts as well. Mixing and no exchange between air and water, obviously a huge one for winter kill. Next is low light penetration. Yeah, Before I'm I go on, Matt, I got anything uh, I missed on that first one about, that might cover it, but who knows? I think I think you got everything because I, I was going to mention the light penetration, but it sounds like you're getting to it right now. So I Good. will save my feedback till after that. Yeah. So I'm going to describe this and then I'll have a little fun more examples at the end. Here. Yeah. But so low light penetration is number two. So sunlight is needed for plants, algae, and other phytoplankton to survive. And they produce oxygen because of it. And even in winter, this can happen. So just because there's this ice layer, if you have some form of plant matter growing and plant matter We'll talk about this too. It can die off, but it can still survive in the winter if you have, um, oh. Or algae. Or algae. Thanks, man. Oh, Don't forget algae. Don't forget algae. It's not uncommon for plants to grow in the ice if they're given enough sunlight to do so. However, when you have ice formation and snowpack, so case in point, what's happening this year, you got some thick ice and then you get some really good snowfall. When we were out last year yesterday i think there's like eight inches of snow on top of the oh, ice wow. and like so that's that oh, blocks wow. out the sunlight from penetrating into these lakes so if you had a an ice layer but it's relatively clear that that sunlight can penetrate through that ice layer and promote um plant growth and therefore oxygen if you have oxygen again no winter kill happening however devoid of that pe penetration uh, winter kill will, will certainly um, ensue well, in some situations. Um, and this is because when plants and phytoplankton do not receive sunlight 
they do not produce oxygen like we talked about. They actually use up the oxygen in the water to live off their, their energy stores, and it's called respiration. So I think what's really, really important, I should have said this in the top, was like, um, if you think of your, and I, I will mention this, shoot, well, I'll talk about it here too. When you think of your, like, a lake, um, I like to think of it as there there's an oxygen within that lake, but there's a budget of oxygen, right? Like you mm -hmm. have, especially if you have like this ice formation and it's like a bin, you know, there's nothing adding into it, but, mm -hmm. there, but there can be stuff being taken out of. So fish are using it and converting it from oxygen O2 to CO2. And it's, it's beginning to use up. If you have a big lake, um, you know, say each liter of water has eight milligrams per liter of water, mm -hmm. or excuse me, of oxygen in the water. And that liter of water, if you have a big lake, you know, the budget, the O2 singular molecules and throughout the whole lake, there you have a good amount, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you have a small lake, a um, couple acres, you know, super shallow, you just physically have less oxygen within it um, to, to be used. And I definitely will be talking about this in the next section. So I'm jumping ahead here, but that is to say, mm -hmm when there are low light penetration and this is causing plants to respire or take mm -hmm. that oxygen away that reduces the overall budget under under the ice um, so this is one of the processes where that gets whoosh, taken away yeah yeah and this is I essentially <laughs> this is essentially something that happens pretty much every night right so it's just kind of the opposite mm -hmm. of what's happening during the day so you're having that's kind of something that I know aquaculture farmers deal a lot with is during the day you're having almost an, you can have an, a saturation, super saturation of oxygen because of all the high productivity yes. from all the algae. But at night you're having the opposite happen because they're consuming that oxygen during respiration. But imagine that happening over a longer period of time. And that's where you can see, like you said, I think think of it, think of thinking it. Wow. Thinking of it as a budget is a great way to think of it, just because, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a really, I like that. It's a good example. And I know for aquaculture, yes, I remember uh, Auburn professor, the great Claude Boyd, um, mm -hmm. he mentioned that as a, a budget where it's like, um, if you have a high enough oxygen level in your pond before the sun goes down, you know, say you just got to do the math, for example, mm -hmm. or like, measure it every morning and night and be like gosh if it hits in the daytime i don't know nine milligrams per liter like i i am fairly certain that my fish will not die overnight that's mm -hmm. so weird to sound everyone so if you ever think about doing aquaculture i mean farming's hard enough but if you have it just where it's like yeah and at any some point like if the oxygen goes away your whole crop dead so mm -hmm. um it's just yeah so i don't know necessarily if if it would have to be a pretty wide range in your budget for this to occur because a lot of people will just keep your, I mean, one way to not have low oxygen is to always have your aerator running, for example. Mm -hmm. yep. But there is still that budget sense. If it, it in the daytime, you get to a certain point and you really know your system. Yeah. If it drops, you're fine. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. Yeah. So number three, um, going along the lines of plant and algae, they respire, but also, um, there's plant and algae and I put it here, but all things in the water, as they decompose, they get decomposed by bacteria and this can be, um, taken out of the, the oxygen budget as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I wrote here that plant and algae specifically start to, to die off in the winter and therefore that, that breakdown is occurring because of, you know, plant die off. So there's still plants and stuff going under the ice, everyone. But like, if you, that is to it is the season just like if you look in the terrestrial world like things are dying off you know they're slowly mm -hmm. going down there's still some things living but that's happening on the ice too um think of it this way though with plants and algae decomposition um plants and so phytoplankton and plants that do not receive sunlight um, they will use up that oxygen and die over time as described in my last little section but um you can think of it a different way too be like this this oxygen depleter you, you have something that's that's respiring, it's taking oxygen out. As it starts to die, it's taking more oxygen away from that budget within your lake. Um, the third issue, though, is that when that plant dies, there's one less plant to produce oxygen. So your producers are, are going away too. And um, 
like I said, when things break down, this is making what's making matters worse is bacterial de decomposition. Um, using oxygen, there's other decomposers within that system that uses other things. Um, mm -hmm. NO2, I believe, NO, yep. you know, there's, there's nitrites, nitrate, this whole thing. Um, so a lot of things going on. I think some might use sulfur too. Matt probably knows more than me. He took the the bacterial class, but yeah, this is yeah. all driven by what's present. And there's mm -hmm. a, so I don't want, I don't want to nerd out too much. Life but, will go on. <laughs> yeah. There's kind of a hierarchy. So oxygen is kind of the best to use. And if oxygen's not there, then they switch to yeah. nitrogen. If nitrogen's not there, they switch to iron or sulfur. And then if those iron. aren't there, then, then they use carbon. Yes. So. Yes. So definitely this one-two punch, um, the loss of oxygen producers and the, the further oxygen reduction because bacterial breakdown, this is really kind of where a snowball effects occurs on the ice. Um, and kind of, you know, winter kill can happen overnight because of this. If you have, yeah, a crop, quote unquote, of plants under the ice, for example, and one starts to die off, another starts to die off, then it, they, they're all starting to respire. There's low oxygen and then the bacteria gets in there and then they start to go in and there's no, nobody producing oxygen. It's just, um, mm -hmm. typically deeper areas of the lake will become anoxic first. Um, huh. you can think of bacterial breakdown because of gravity, you know, things are going to shift down to the lower portions of the lake. Um, so the, you know, the oxygen nearest those little areas, that's what's going to be used up first. And you can think of oxygen, being used up at the bottom of a lake quicker. Um, I believe that's how it works. Maybe in my mind, <laughs> just makes sense at least. <laughs> and then that oxygen would be diffusing right down into the lower end, but at some point there's no oxygen, right? So number four, lake morphology. And I kind of touched upon this on better uh, already, but in like a rule of thumb, shallow lakes will often experience more winter kill more frequently um, for a number of different reasons. So shallow lakes, like we talked about, um, the, there's just not enough volume of water to house that oxygen. So you think about the budget, but also because of morph morphological reasons within a, a lake, uh, plants need sunlight to grow. We talked about that, but it also needs to have access to sunlight. So if you have like a 50, 60 foot deep lake, there's going to be a portion where the sun's rays will not penetrate down to that water column. Um, so if you think of like a, a lake, like a, a bowl, okay, you would have around the edges, you'd have your plant growth, but at some point there would be not enough. And that, you know, on one side of things that, you know, there's going to be only so much area that's going to produce oxygen in the winter, but on the flip side, you have only so much vegetation that may go away and die. And you also have a big bottle of water that, that, that mixing, for example, in the, the, the fall could maybe sustain um oxygen budgets under the ice so it's it's kind of a catch-22 kind of not really it, it, in general though like if you have a shallow lake with a bunch of phytoplankton a bunch of plants like you're you're going to be at risk for um for winter kills to happen uh, that decomposition right but and then thirdly so lake morphology uh, lakes aren't uniform throughout um, mm -hmm. if this makes sense there there can be areas that have oxygen we talk about that layers in the water column but like bigger lakes compared to a smaller lakes there's just more <laughs> there's more places for fish to hide out in when things get bad so mm -hmm. um say you have a small portion of your lake i'm thinking like a bay for example and you're starting to get really low oxygen like it's not that the whole lake's going to have low oxygen there can be little pockets and if your lake is big enough or have morphology those fish can hightail it out of there when mm -hmm. they're not able to breathe but in shallow small lakes fish just don't have anywhere to hide it's kind of weird to think about it but um and and if they don't have anywhere to hide they have to they're at the whims of that area low oxygen occurs they're going to die so um people out there building your three foot ponds in Minnesota, just watch out because there's just no place for them to hide. That makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Okay. Any, any comments? I don't think so. I do. Okay. I'm, I'm making a connection in my head and I'm wondering, so does ice fishing help prevent this? 
Does help? Does ice fishing actually help oxygenate lakes or create little refugia for <laughs> fish in lakes? So yes, having holes cut through the ice that promotes that oxygen diffusion mm -hmm. on the small scale level that a fisherman you know if you think you have like a th six foot auger inch mm -hmm. <laughs> six inch auger, say, I was like, that's a big like, hole for, for a diameter <laughs> hole that's not going to do a whole lot but actually if if um if a lake is known to have winter kill they'll incorporate aeration mm -hmm. um into it and so you can either have like liquid oxygen pumped under the ice, but you also can have, I know some of them go crazy. Um, but you, can all, huh. you can, you can also have, um, aeration bubblers or mixers mm -hmm. that will, so they'll just put a big old hole in the middle of the lake and they'll just mm -hmm. have um, the thing churning up, um, and, and incorporating oxygen into the water. So you're kind of right. How about that? Okay. Yeah. So they just cut yeah. it like, yeah. So it's like, how do you fix this? Cut a big hole. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Yep. So those are the four like main reasons why winter kill happens, but there's also some warning signs that you can like look at and, and lake managers look at to, so we just talked about one of the, the ways to fix if winter kill is going to happen. Um, that's through aeration. That's that, that's not free to do, right? You, it's, mm -hmm. it's very costly to do and you don't want to do that unless you have to. Um, but there's for sure warning signs. One of the big warning signs is like, did it, did it have winter kill last year? Right. Cause like, if it's going to happen, yeah. But, um, within that though, there's, there's a couple main factors to look at to see, you know, like, ah, yeah, this lake is, is it going to die over the winter if we get a bad winter? Mm -hmm. Not. And it's, it's a weird thought process, mm -hmm. but like, like literally when you have that gull lake, for example, that we talked about, like the world's largest ice fishing event, or you in, in Minnesota, a lot of areas like Martin, for example, you have, um, and I think I talked about this in our bass fishing or the economics of, of, of fishing air. Mm -hmm. um, there, there are cities built around fishing in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. um, and if you get a big old die off in those, you know, um, in those lakes like this could be years to fix and i'll talk about that a little bit later but um so it's it's to fix winter kill number one is prevent it from happening so this is kind of where this is going but yeah so there's there's these warning signs let me i'm going way ahead of myself but so number one is lake productivity mm -hmm. okay so just to reiterate we described a little bit above but like Lakes that are really green, lots of phytoplankton, for example, or contain a lot of vegetation in the summer, this can equate to a higher likelihood that winter kill is going to occur. Um, oh. Right? Because if you have some really green ponds, like, oh, first yeah. off, you'd be like, gosh, if we get a heavy snowfall, heavy ice, so it's really green, um, they're not going to, so again, things that are photosynthetic they're producing oxygen so like gosh yeah it's great in the summer you know there's no no issue of oxygen but if there's devoid of sunlight like what's going to happen and yeah, that makes so sense the, yeah i so, guess I, I was just thinking of like ice without snowfall but when is that ever going to happen so i was like oh, I they, can still, they can still photosynthesize a little bit but yeah no I, yeah that makes yeah. total sense um, so researchers Hilt et al in 2014, I don't know the journal name. This was a, an earlier article, so I, I didn't write it down. I started doing that in the past, but, uh, um, I know Hilt found that both clear and turbid lakes, they experience winter kill. Okay. So, um, turbidity in this article was kind of related to like a, a secchi disc. It can be mm -hmm. both, um, indicative of, how do I even describe it? So a, like a secchi disc tap or turbidity. Something mm -hmm. could be really turbid and be really muddy, whereas mm -hmm. a high turbidity could also be like there's a lot of phytoplankton growth. You just can't see far down into the water. So yes, Hilt et al. They found that clear lakes and turbid lakes they both experience winter kill. However, the severity keyword severity of winter kill um, to large fish, okay, um, fish that are prized, for example, walleye, severity when, um, that, that to actually kill fish was 16% in clear lakes and 43% and turbid lakes so um wow. the higher the turbidity the more likelihood that winter kill is going to happen it's going to be bad did they um, have a number on their like secchi disc depth no 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 they no. didn't they're 
Uh, yeah, sorry, but um, um, wow, yeah, that's almost almost a fifty fifty chance that you're gonna have a winter kill in a turbid lake. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, and um, productivity for the again just to um, get everybody on the same page. That the many situations caused by excess nutrients going into the lake, like nitrogen and phosphorus, big components of fertilizer. Um, whole r- books have been written upon the causes of lake productivity, uh, but. As we're talking, the reason why I'm bringing it up is limiting excess nutrients from entering into the lake. Um, it's going to be good guess to both reduce turbidity because in this situation, turbidity is by phytoplankton, for example, um, and that will lessen your likelihood of very economically causing or hazardous winter kill. So keep your productivity down. <laughs> <laughs> and really 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 late winter is the time to really watch out for winter kills so late january to february this is the time you know that that full ice is starting to form the days are their darkest they're getting a little bit lighter now as you go towards february but um Mm -hmm. it's still yeah this is it um another one so we talked about density of plants and phytoplankton but fish density is another part of that equation that you need to think about so just think about anything i mean even too like aquatic bugs or zooplankton Um, if you have a really productive system in many different facets um, really think about what what's using oxygen under the ice Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) on the flip side of it what what's going to die under the ice too and that bacteria breakdown is going to happen and so really simple equation if you're just looking at fish and how it affects it really simple equation the more fish you have the more oxygen they're going to use so if you have your oxygen budget under the ice um, more oxygen is needed for a pond that has a lot of fish so again private pond you like to stock your (laughs) your ponds to the brim Um, so in the summer you have a lot to catch sounds like a great idea disease can happen too we're not going to talk about that that's one but um (laughs) one of them is you know the odds of them all surviving over winter is low and you could be wasting your money yep again monitoring um you know you just cut a hole check for dissolved oxygen especially in you know july february um january february that's the time to do it okay a little bit more fun stuff here what does low oxygen and winter kills mean for fishing the behavior of fish under oxygen it's it's really been interesting fisheries biologists for many different years um in a 1968 studies researchers again early uh early riley here not really citing his papers well um (laughs) researchers documented the under ice movement of common fish species uh (laughs) I love this one. Um, they use it using an underwater periscope. So they Ooh. cut a hole in the ice and use the, I'm thinking um, of a submarine. Yeah, just like upside down. An inverse submarine. <laughs> so they're watching fish movement as they just sit um, on the ice, which is great. Mm-hmm. And they really noticed that as things are moving towards winter kill, so these low to no oxygen situations, not you know and it, it kind of when saying it, it it's like a no-brainer but like you know some fish can survive lower oxygens than others um, but like it really affects their movement too so yellow perch so a smaller panfish uh, movement was the most unaffected to winter kill and um which is interesting because they were the most active under these conditions so low oxygen they're getting to this area and they're like no nah, we're fine they're just um northern pike which are larger bodied fish they were the most affected under the study that they looked at. Um, and it was interesting that they would move from deeper areas, probably because there's no oxygen there. So they're moving from mm-hmm. the deep to right under the surface of the ice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So, if, yeah, if you're seeing a lot of fish crowding around the surface, just right under the surface of the ice. That's another warning sign. I know catfish do something similar too. If you, because catfish usually hang out in the bottom of a pond. If you see them mm-hmm. towards the surface, you got unless it's feeding time, you got problems. Yep. And um, so they would move the subsurface, and they would have little movement. 
So that's another warning sign. So no movement, this study found, was the best way for fish to survive anoxic conditions. They would just be motionless. Another warning sign, this is a little colloquial, but like if you're ice fishing and the bite is super slow for a while, like a couple of weeks, but like, gosh, nothing's happening. Could be because fish aren't moving because low oxygen. They just physically don't have the resources to move. Yeah, um, so something yeah. to think about. Yeah. I mean, it also makes sense because if they're not moving, they're not wasting, they're not spending energy. If they're not spending energy, they don't need to eat anything. But yeah. also, they're, yeah, that's, they don't, they can't, there's not enough oxygen for them to actually consume anything. Um, but I did have yes. a question about like with the yellow perch, the northern pike. So are yellow perch just have a lower oxygen demand in general than northern pike? Yes. Yes. So okay. um, the next study that I, I quoted, <laughs> I have the so everybody please read this article because um, there will be links to the actual people who did it. Praise to Perfect. the people who did it. Um, yeah, so northern pike and yellow perch they could mostly survive. Okay. Okay. But to your question, um, yes. So, so some can survive, some can't. Bluegill could not. So oh. they they dropped this was in a part of a laboratory portion of a study and they dropped mm. the oxygen to 0.25 milligrams per liter. Oh. How low can you go? Oh, and they found my, that, that northern is... pike yellow perch they could um they survived but bluegills could not. And that begs the question why so low you'd think that everything dies but there's still some life and this study found that so there's a lot of factors as mm -hmm. you might think fish size but then again um you know northern pike they're bigger fish and they survived and bluebill mm -hmm. can't so it's perhaps that fish smaller fish in this situation can't survive um the big one though that they saw was so fish size but metabolism and feeding mm -hmm. rate they played into what fish species could live or die with low oxygen so bluegill very active you know fish higher mm -hmm. feeding rate high metabolism oh higher oxygen okay. demand right and because of that if you think northern pike they're going after big fish okay bigger bigger fish um but it's a little more infrequent right mm -hmm. so very and northern pike too for those you know they're kind of ambush predators so they sit there you know in one spot normally too under good oxygen conditions they see something of just a huge burst of energy, but then they're kind of mellow out again. They're not cruising around. They're not snooping. Yeah. So metabolism and feeding rate. <laughs> so animals that have a higher, are higher up on a trophic level, mm -hmm. right? So higher up on the food chain, if you rather, I should probably say it like that, mm -hmm. seem to have that, seem to be able to survive a little bit better is what it seems in general. Well... Maybe not. No, I'm going to okay. say, I don't know. So here's, okay. here's the next thing that I was going to talk about is that a big issue with um, winter kill is mm -hmm. what, what fish get left behind. And one of them that get left behind all the time is common carp. So they're mm -hmm. lower on the yeah. feeding trophic structure. Yeah. You know, they're they're yeah. the low on the lower yeah. bigger bodied fish though. Yeah. So I'm not sure if, if the God, you can't you just you can't kill those things if you tried, can you? Yes. And is it yeah, is it just <laughs> metabolism or is it just like physically I mean they just I'm just yeah. I'm just trying to think because carp being grazers, they can eat whenever they want. But I guess what they're eating isn't incredibly mm. highly nutritious. I'm not a I don't know. I'm not a biochemist, so this is way outside my wheelhouse. And I know uh, like we talked about that too, like smaller fish higher metabolism right to get things going yeah, like they gotta eat all the time like. like um they just don't have that budget but then when you're bigger well, body fish you might have lower your metabolism and i think that does happen you eat because think of grass carp right they're best when they're small and then when you yeah. when they get big they eat less yeah i don't know so maybe it's a combination <laughs> of their feeding strategy and kind of where they're at in their life mm-hmm because yes. I'm sure grass carp when they're younger have a much higher, maybe not much higher, but they have a higher oxygen demand than when they're older. Because when they're older, they're just kind of meandering around. Mm -hmm. And even to your point when you said, uh, talking about the pike, they're normally just kind of hanging around and waiting. 
for mm. to kind of ambush. And I wonder how that would compare to a fish that's more of a kind of patroller. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I think of maybe bass, bass kind of patrol because they're very visual feeders. So they're kind of looking around for stuff. So I wonder how they would do compared to northern pike. Yeah, it's interesting too. And then at some level, it's just like what physically, just like temperature tolerance, right? They're at some point. Yeah, exactly. Because like, so perch, I mean, they kind of like hang out a little bit, but they do kind of, kind of school around and like move from spot to spot. Because when you perch mm -hmm. fish, like you you know, there'll be 10 minutes of nothing, then everything is down, all your bobbers, mm -hmm. or, you know? And so it's like, it's, so they move too. So why aren't they dying? I don't know. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah huh. metabolism rates too. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Um, and then, yep, so we talked about carp a little bit and winter kill, but so just to emphasize, carp can survive very low oxygen. So when, when um, and this is getting to, point of what happens after a winter kill okay so mm -hmm. that's a really big issue that we we like in the midwest think about it's like so your your lake dies off all these quote-unquote sports fish die off and then like what what happens and like there could be a lot of things so carp infestations can can occur okay so they're mm -hmm. the, they're the only players left in the game and they mm -hmm. just really go up but then um Bear Baron Schwarzen, 2010, they documented that carp can surge in areas with winter kill. Um, not only do they survive, but like if they're, and this is larger lakes, if they're, um, they can go into areas more aggressively where winter kill occurred. They're like the first ones in mm. almost, if that makes sense. Whereas yeah, other no, ones have to sense. stay back. Um, and this gives them, if they're spring spawners, it gives them the opportunity to spawn in areas free of predators, increasing their success as a species. So huh. die off occurs in an area. Um, not only are the carp one of the ones that survive, but they can get in there quicker because they're at their lower temperatures. They spawn better, free of predators. So it's just like it's a snowball effect, and it's going to be very interesting yeah. um, with carp. And then just basic fisheries, too, is that you have a die off in a popular lake. Um, and this is where we're talking about like um, the economics of an area. It's, it, it won't go back to what it was. The fishing will not mm -hmm. go back to what it was for many years because your populations have to re up themselves. And there also has to be a lot of investment by um, area fisheries, for example, like, mm -hmm. I mean, if, if, if literally everything dies in a lake and this has happened, man, and it's like, um, then like, yeah, you don't have a population of fish to reestablish themselves. If there's a partial die off, potentially you could have um, your prized species come back that you want to fish for, say bass, for example. Um, however, too, like these die offs, like we talked about, there's so many different levels that you have to think about. It's like um, if if your species dies off, others stay common carp, other rough fish, for example, it's just that balance of your 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 lake and more more of that one species there's not gonna be enough food for example competition um you know predator predation there's all these factors going in so that balance that fisheries managers have to try to maintain and make it like peak for certain species that has to be redone um so if winter kill happens yeah drain the lake some people have done it's wow i mean what are you gonna do like yeah wow yeah people can really i mean tourist areas they're ooh. and, and I mean, that is just yeah you go no i mean it makes sense like you said if you have an entire city that's mm -hmm. a huge part of its winter economy is based off of these you know all the all the ice fishing tourism it makes sense that if you get a yeah. obviously not only you want to prevent a, a winter kill as much as you can but if it yeah. does happen you need to kind of take drastic yeah. measures to make sure yeah the carp don't infest yes this is a beautiful um <laughs> segue into my last little uh section here that's how to prevent winter kill number one aeration talked about mm -hmm. it it works it's good cut a hole in the ice boom there's some lakes to my knowledge that they have aeration that occurs the whole time like this is the problem lake um there's one where my parents grew up that there's always aeration occurring a lot of agriculture 
They just mm-hmm. know it's this, it's a gross lake, to be honest. But it's mm-hmm. still a lake that people like to go fishing on because there's not that many lakes in this portion of Minnesota. People love going fishing, so they just put aeration in all the time. That aeration cost is coming from somewhere. Your taxpayers, uh, yeah. So a portion of the Minnesota State Lottery goes to environmental type of programs. Oh. Huh. Mm-hmm. You know, like Georgia does their lottery to education. Yeah. Don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure Minnesota, ju- I shouldn't say just, a good portion is going to environmental initiatives. Yeah. Hmm. But anyways, yeah. if you don't have money, though, what, what can you do? Are you still worried? You know, money for aeration. Let me say that. Um, another good way is to remove the snow cover. So if you have a heavy snowfall, you're worried about that productivity stopping in your, your pond, for example, just shovel off the snow. Um, if it's clear enough ice, things should be good. Um, should be, you still got to play into effect that, um, days are getting shorter. You physically don't have enough sunlight going through. I shouldn't say physically, you, you physically have less light penetrating. Um, we can call it a light budget if you want to yeah. keep on track <laughs> with the oxygen budget and, um, and that could come to play too. Like if, if you days are getting shorter, plants are going to be dying. They're not all dying at once. Mm-hmm. Um, they can kind of just be like eases into it. And there's still some sunlight. Uh, another big one, manage fish biomass. So you don't need to have fish to the brim, multi-pronged approach there. First off, if you're have a pond, fish costs money. So if you're spending a lot of money, they're going to die in the winter. Anyways, you want to do that. Um, and then, you know, yeah, then you would have to restock, cost more money. Um, mm-hmm. Just don't put that many fish in to begin with, and you probably are going to be fine if you don't want to pay for aer- aeration. And that's the other ones I have. A um, little okay. bit of a different article. Yeah. Yeah. Um, As someone who has never ice fished before, it I don't know, Raul, you're kind of selling me that ice fishing only helps prevent winter kills because you're removing fish from the water. You're creating <laughs> all these little holes for oxygen to permeate through i don't know it seems like you're it's a good thing well to (laughs) to that line of like uh (laughs) logic like uh Mm -hmm. the the holes freeze up in like a couple hours anyways so that's fair yeah that's a good point (laughs) yeah i still gotta gotta get myself out ice fishing at some point it's on my my bucket list but anyway nice job riley where else yes where else can people go to read up on similar stuff like this Yes, you can go to our website called freshwaterperspectives.substack.com. That is where we house all these articles. Again, this was an earlier article that I wrote, and I have links to everything I talked about rather than put the citations in the actual me talking. So as we transition, this was before we had a podcast, so it made sense just to, you know, mm-hmm. like put it at the end of a sentence. So that stuff's all there. Um, a, a variety of other water freshwater related topics will be there too other articles and links so please make your way over there you can also email us at they can email us at fwperspectivespodcast at gmail.com all right well thanks matt we'll see ya yeah nice job riley see you next week